Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And you have tuned in to The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We are here each week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona and the fall season. You know, I, I was looking at uh, Facebook posts for my sister who lives in Michigan. They're already in parkas. I mean, it's ridiculous. Here, I think I had to put you know long pants on, jeans, a couple times this week, but then it warms right back up and away you go again. This is why we live in the north country, God's country of the mountains of Arizona. It is so nice here. The rains have been such a pleasant experience this week. Some heavy. It's been well over an inch of rain at at the Lane Casa. So we've had quite a bit. So it's nice to saturate the grounds. I've started to reset my clocks, irrigation clocks. I'm still watering at the same frequency, about once a week for trees and shrubs. A couple times a week for the flowery, foo-foo, fun things. Lawns, probably about the same. Uh, What I did is I changed the times that the clocks are coming on. So all I did was reset. Instead of coming on at pre-dawn, I'm coming on at middle of the day. And I'll keep that sequence, that coming on midday, because I'm out of the risk of freeze and thaw. If we get to our first frost, which will be any time, and we were down to the 40s, 40 degrees at my house this week, you folks at the higher elevations, you might have flirted with some hail, a little bit of snow flurry, uh, 6,000 foot plus, Uh, but uh, we really aren't going to have a hard freeze until November. I'm preparing for that. Yeah, it's just a couple weeks away. So what I did is I have my, my valves coming on, my Uh, cycles coming onto my clock. I have those coming on after about 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock. And I try to get all the watering done for each of those cycles by about three in the afternoon. Because even in January, it's, you know, it's not going to be freezing. No, hardly. I mean, it's just rare that we see that it freezes in the evening. So right before dawn, first, first, right at first light, that's when the harsh is cold. And if you don't make those adjustments, you'll go out. And if that clock turned on those valves, you'll see a fountain of, of you know, ice sculptures out there. It's not good for the plants. It's not good for your irrigation system. It's just not good. It's best to have it come on midday. So as we start to see that first freeze, that is, we're starting to, we're mid-November, I'm guessing, by Thanksgiving, I'll make the adjustment. I'll actually adjust the time cycles. So what I'll do is I'll I'll leave. I never really play with the length of time that a valve comes on. Once I know how long it takes to run that system to water a tree, let's say it's three hours for a two gallon emitter to water my big trees or whatever your cycle is. I never have to rethink that. I never play with that piece of the clock. I'll only change the frequency at which they come on right now. It's once a week. As soon as we get our first heavy, you know, hard freeze, I'll change that to every 14, 20 days. Maybe it's once a month or usually I try to water things twice a month through winter in the middle of the day. So I only really play with two things with my clock, 
how, how many days in between each cycle. So I don't program it to water Wednesdays and Saturdays. I'd rather go with the day skip cycle. Most clocks will say how many days you want to skip in between each water cycle. I use that feature because it's easier for my brain to, to think through, okay, I think I want to schedule once a week, skip every seven days, or now I'm down to winter cycle. I want to skip 14 days. I want to water every, you know, twice a month. And then I, I play with the, 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 when does the clock come on? Usually during the growing season, the best time, the ideal time to water your plants is before the heat of the day. I would say while it's still dark out, you know, dawn, uh, right? Just as the sun is coming up, you want to get all your watering completed by eight o'clock in the morning. And then as it heats up by nine, 10 o'clock, it's the plants have had time to absorb all that moisture. It could take on the heat, produces better fruit that way, more, more vegetables. It's more, it's just better for the health of the plant. But right now, Plants aren't actively growing. I mean, most of them aren't. Your, your cool season things are really growing aggressively. The pansies and kales and your, your dusty millers and mums, those all look fabulous. And they're growing. Things are rooting right now. But they're not putting new leaves and foliage and you know, new candle growth on your evergreens. That's done. So we can change that. And it's best to water middle of the day. That's what I've been doing. That and I took advantage of the rains. So I put down all at the garden center here at Waters Garden Center and also at my house and a couple of our rentals that we have. I've gone through and I put down all the, I fertilized everything. It's all done. Don't have to think about fertilizing until next spring. And I put down all the weed and grass preventers. So I don't like weeds. I hate weeds. I hate weeding. I hate everything about weeds. And so I put down a, a well, while I've got my hand spreader out and I'm fertilizing, putting my granular foods out there, I am also putting my granular weed and grass preventer down. I put it down where weeds seem to congregate. And you know where that is because there's already dandelions coming up. There might even be some goat heads still coming up, you know, still, still with that burr that it goes through the bottom of your foot. Your dogs whimper as they step on that, that seed head. That's where you want to put your weed and grass preventers. Where tumbleweeds are already coming up, that's where you focus on your weed and grass preventers. And then pray for rain. But you wouldn't have to do that this week because it just came. It just came. In fact, I had put my rain jacket on, had my broad-brimmed hat. And I'm out there in the rain. My neighbors think I'm crazy because I'm taking advantage of nature as it helps me to garden. And then I planted a couple fruit trees. So I put a, a cherry tree, a Utah giant cherry tree, most beautiful cherry you've ever seen. It's, it was a 15 gallon size, about an inch and a quarter in diameter. It was magnificent. It's beautiful for sure. I will have cherries next spring because I planted it this fall. This is an excellent time to be planting trees. I would say any of your bigger shrubs, all your cool season, uh, plants like your shorter flowering vegetables, like your herbs, the cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, all that spinach, lettuce, all those things. It is the peak. I mean, just ideal window to be planting right now. So then I also planted a companion tree. I'm kind of completing an orchard on one of our properties. I put a, a, a cherry tree and then I also put a, a comice pear, which is a nice 
Everyone, the number one seller is the Bosque or, or Bartlett pears, but they're nice, but the shelf life is, isn't as long. They get a little mushy a little too soon. The Comice pear, oh, it's beautifully, perfectly shaped. It's firm, it's crisp, it melts in your mouth. Oh, I love fresh pears. I love fresh pear leathers and pear preserves. And my mouth's watering again just thinking about fresh pears next year. And it was a nice big tree. So it's big enough to start producing next spring, I guess. So it'll be in bloom by uh, by April. Usually both of those are in bloom. So I've been busy gardening this week. Makes me feel feel good gardening. In fact, I use gardening as therapy. As <laughs> I need therapy, but I don't have a therapist. I don't have the money for a therapist. So gardening kind of fills in that, that void. But you can unplug. You're just so hectic, so crazy, busy. Life is, I don't know why life gets busier and busier as you age or, or the culture is getting busier and busier. It's just frantic almost. So I can unplug. I purposely leave my phone inside on the dresser. I don't even take it outside with me. And then I just go and I get, I get to garden. You know, so many folks say I have to garden. Oh, you don't have to garden. You have the privilege. You get to go and garden and it's therapy session and it's it's healthy and it's fresh air and it's vitamin D as the sunshine comes. There's a lot of benefits. In fact, I've got a list. We just took a survey here at the garden center of why people, why are our friends gardening? So we have several hundred people responded and we, we collated all these and it came down to 30 things, 30 reasons people, we came up with our customers here at, at, in Prescott at Waters Garden Center Garden. I'll share that at the, maybe the bottom of the hour. With that, we're done with this segment. Be right back with Lisa Waters Lane and your questions. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Trees prefer a locally delicious plant food, and the really big trees prefer you get it from Waters Garden Center. Your plant luck changes the moment you step through the doors. You can actually feel it happening. Time slows down, your neck muscles relax, and the radio plays better music. It may look like we sell trees and shrubs, but what we really sell is the perfect day. Waters Garden Center, here in Prescott, the place where people who love to garden, they love to shop. We believe fresh air in the garden is good for you at Waters Garden Center. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are Burning Bush, Arizona Creeper, Spicy Mums, Glamour Kale, and Prescott Blaze Maple. Prescott Blaze Maples have extreme growth of three feet or more each year. The fall color glows like embers in a blaze hot fire, thus the name. There's no better red maple to plant locally. Perfect for patios or any place shade is needed. And a big, bold tree is just $149. You'll find the best fall shade trees here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we're back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden question. Just what are your neighbors talking about? Uh, I think there's some value in that. So we've definitely, it's, it feels like autumn. Oh, yeah. So I, I started to, I had a buddy at, at Rotary, he goes, 
autumn is not September 21st or whatever. It's whenever Ken Lane stops wearing shorts. shorts to that's when he puts long pants on. That's when you know autumn's actually here. Run. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. probably about right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of cooled down a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I did the big switcheroo in my closet. So I got how's rid, that? I got rid of my shorts and oh. short sleeves and sleeveless. Put them in the other closet. Oh. Brought back the long sleeves, the pants. I miss your short pants and your pretty legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of like it because I don't have to shave as often. But you make it, yeah, okay. TMI, TMI. <laughs> okay. Ladies know what I'm talking yeah. about. So uh, garden questions, just mm -hmm. what are people asking? Sure. So Suzanne wants to know, she's getting ready to fertilize her tree. She has fruit trees and evergreens and regular deciduous trees. Okay. She's always used the all-purpose for all of them. She wants to know, is would it be better to use the fruit and vegetable food on the fruit trees, or does it matter? Can she just use yeah. the all-purpose on all of them? So so these are like, um, you know, the recipes. Mm -hmm. So you're blending different ingredients together to come up with a recipe that plants really like. And so some plants like a lot of protein, Arr, bodybuilding, well, let's do that. Arr. And others are more vegan and they want to be more, <laughs> you know, thinner. They're on the keto diet or whatever. So it just, okay. so each plants are sort of mm -hmm. like that. Right. And there's a different recipe for each one. Mm -hmm. So uh, fruit trees are definitely going to prefer the fruit and vegetable food. Mm -hmm. the, the formulas seem pretty similar, 644, 744. Yeah, they're about the same. On the fruit and vegetable food, we put an extra number, seven. So it's 6447. It's 7% calcium. So we know that fruit trees, vegetables, pumpkins, berries, grapes like a lot of calcium. It brings the flavor out, brings the size of the fruit out. If you use that consistently, you're going to get a better tasting uh, type of, of edible mm -hmm. plant. So fruit trees would be beneficial with that way. Could you use the all-purpose? Yes. We had that recipe. That was the original one we put mm -hmm. together 20 years ago, and it really works. And some folks go, well, I've been doing this. I'm happy with the cherries I get. I'm, I'm fine. Would it? Can you do that? Yes. And it's a good, good food for that. If you had, a, had your druthers, um, the fruit and vegetable food is probably a better one. Also, for you folks that are true organics, or hardcore organics, the uh, fruit and vegetable food is completely organic. There's no minerals in it. Mm -hmm. So the all-purpose food, its we call it all natural, but the second you put iron or sulfur, some of these trace minerals, right. you can't technically call it organic. So if you're, pu if you're a purist, the fruit and vegetable food, if you just want to keep away from chemicals, neither one has chemicals in it. Right. We're not using petroleum-based uh, uh, chemicals for the for the carbon the plants need. We're just using you know chicken meal and bone meal and cottonseed meal, different meals, and then we put in that all-purpose some some iron and sulfur because we're trying to lower that pH. We know that's a real issue with our water. We don't do that with the fruit and vegetable food. So. Right. Yeah, I complicated it too much. Yes, <laughs> Joanne, it would be better to separate it out and buy one of each. Right. Yes. If you had your druthers, yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. 
Next question is from John. He wants to hear you talk about putting aluminum sulfate down for the yeah, little spruce. Yeah, last week. Yeah. I uh, wants to know when's the best time to put it. Oh, down. yeah. I thought I had mentioned that, John. Sorry, apologize for that. So, so aluminum sulfate is for those that weren't tuned in last week. That is a, an added mineral. So you're fertilizing everything. Uh, evergreens. That's you use aluminum sulfate on evergreens. Um, it's going to prefer the all-purpose plant food, that 744. But in addition to that, you also give it aluminum sulfate. And what that is, uh, a Colorado blue spruce, that blue, that radiant, almost silver look. It almost has this frosted look when it's really healthy. That's aluminum. Mm -hmm. It's going to pick that up in the fall of the year. So that's, I should have said, fall. <laughs> Now's the time you put that on. Okay. It's going to pick up the aluminum through winter. Mm -hmm. And it's going to use that to extend next year's new candle growth or new, new needle growth next year. And then it will coat that new growth with this blue aluminum sulfate uh, flavor to it. Uh, evergreens really like it. It makes it real acidic. So it does a couple things makes it really acidic. So you get a brighter, deeper green out of your pine trees. But really, you're, you want that really rich silver blue for those junipers, cypress cedars, uh, dedors, uh, Colorado spruce, Fat Albert spruce. They're really going to benefit from that. Really, what you see the magazines talk about, they say, give it to your acid-loving plants like um, rhododendrons and hydrangeas. Mm -hmm. But I find it does more good up here in this at this elevation for your evergreen. So aluminum sulfate, it's, an, it's a powder. Sprinkle around the base. Uh, that's another one. We should touch on that. Don't focus all these minerals and foods right at the trunk of the tree. Right. You're putting it out towards the drip line, those outer branches, that outer, the farthest reaching branch. That's where the feeder roots are on a plant. And so you want to focus most of that food and mineral out there, most of your water. That's where it's got the small, uh, small roots out there. So you can pick that up. At the base of the of the trunk of the tree are basically anchoring roots. They're big old hairy, thick barked roots that keep the tree upright. They can't really pull in minerals and food and water and stuff. Those those are out towards the drip line of so a tree. This brings up a good point because people, I get this all the time. I have a well around my tree. Yeah. I can only, after that, there's weed cloth or rock. Right. So what do you tell them? Just still go ahead and fertilize out at the drip line? Because most of that stuff will break down and go through if you have weed fabric yeah. or rock or that kind of stuff. So that that uh, water well that you put around your tree, uh, trees don't actually see those. Only you do. Okay. Their roots continue to extend out. And they're reaching to the next drip system, the next the flower bed. They're going out towards where you rain harvest off the driveway. They're 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 searching out food and and water throughout the yard. And so, don't when you're fertilizing, don't think in terms of where your drip system is, where your water well is. Think in terms of the tree. If it's if that tree is way outside that water well, mm -hmm. that's where the that's where the roots that's are. The roots they are. mirror that upper growth. So focus in on that. The foods will break down and go right through the rock like it was nothing. It'll, it'll penetrate right through that fabric. It just liquefies and goes through. The, the fabrics, weeds can't get up through it, but food and water can go down to the roots. That's the beauty of weed fabrics. Right. And if you have black plastic, 
dig it up and get rid of it. Yeah, black <laughs> that's so old. That's kind of 90s stuff. It so is, but all occasionally the newer, yeah, you see it again, yeah. but that stuff's nasty it's for your yard. Not healthy for your plant. That's where plants kind of blow over. Yeah. They kind of, kind of, that windstorm we had a couple weeks ago blows right over. You have time, maybe. One more question. We'll sneak one in. This is another kind of spruce question. He wants to know, can you prune back a spruce? He has a beautiful one, but it's encroaching on the sidewalk. Dang it. So yeah. can you cut it back and when would you cut it back? Yeah. So you'll cut it back midwinter. So right now you're not pruning because there's too many insects and disease. They're just things are alive. Uh, mice are roaming around everywhere in the gardens. <laughs> I mean, just things are are looking to find a winter home and they'll find a winter home where you make a cut into a mm -hmm. into a tree they'll they'll look to take advantage of that so so we wait until winter hits so january february March. that's when you're doing most of your pruning um how to prune a, a spruce tree that's a hard one yeah. usually what we do because they're pyramidal in shape we'll just limb up mm -hmm. the the lower branches so you'll see this dr seuss look to 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 uh, uh pine and spruce trees, they just limb them off, off the ground so you can drive your pickup truck underneath it. Uh, and that brings it back. It looks kind of funky because when you cut a spruce back on a branch, it doesn't grow new growth out of the bark, bark areas. It only extends what's currently growing out of your uh, showing on your tree. It's hard to explain. Basically, you're going to prune up from the bottom of the, from the ground, limb it up until it gets back behind the or sidewalk. Just let people walk around. That could be it too. <laughs> That's a good question. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. Back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, aka the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are blaze maple, burning bush, Arizona creeper, spicy mums, and glamour kale. Few flowers are more elegant in fall than Waters glamour kale. The autumn colors are perfect for containers, beds, and borders. And it's so easy to grow. This unique Prescott selection is an award winner for cold hardiness, intense red, purple flowers in a frilly package, all for $9. You'll find bright fall flowers here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. We believe small business can win against impersonal box stores at Waters Garden Center. Spring is the best time to be outdoors, garden, and create a personal oasis in your yard. If you don't know where to start, Waters Personal Garden Service allows you to book an hour of one-on-one -on -one time with an expert without the crowds. It's easy by phone or through our website. No lines, no waiting. Purchase a $200 gift card and we'll line you up with one of Waters' private gardeners. You're going to love your yard again. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott or at watersgardencenter.com. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Let's cover some vines of autumn. There's quite a selection. Northern Arizona grows a tremendous number of different kinds of vines. And let, let's take this, get, get rid of the myth. What you'll find at a garden center when, when you look at their vine section, we're growing these because they're very fast growing. They can grow, I don't know, six feet a year. They can cover a eight foot pan, fence panel by, by head tall within one season. I mean, they're fast growing. 
So we try to contain them at the garden center by staking them. We'll generally take bamboo stakes, time at the top, and try to train this vine up those stakes. The reason we're doing that is if we don't stake them, they take over their bed. They just take over the nursery. They start spreading out. You can use vines to cover walls, fences, riprap to, to, to retain that, that hillside, and you can also use them for ground covers. So a lot of folks think, oh, if it's staked, it needs to stay that way. Oh, no, not at all. Frequently, I'll tell folks, take that Virginia creeper, take that honeysuckle, take that akebia off of their stakes, train, spread them out and pin them to the hill where you want them to grow. Then you can use them as a ground cover. So any of these that we're suggesting can go ground cover or on a garden shed, up a trellis, up a fence line, you, you can train them. But they're going to want to creep and crawl. The most beautiful akebia, five-leaf akebia I've ever seen, someone planted that at the base of a big oak tree, emery oak, big trunk, not the scrub oak, like the larger shade, our natural growing oaks. And oaks can look... Uh, they can look native. They can look rough. They can look like chaparral, like I'm here to stay. And they need to be softened. Well, this was kind of an artist, their, their, their landscape. They planted an akebia at the base of this oak, and it grew up that trunk and burst out of the top of this oak. It was spectacular. And then it would just kind of cover it, kind of, kind of harmonized, gave it this sweet and sour or feng shui look. They used the tree as a way to encourage that vine to grow up and then to soften that canopy layer of that oak. It was really magnificent. It was just wonderful. And then akebia, that's, uh, how do you spell that? Let me just, A-K-E-B-I-A, akebia. It's a fairly new, it's an evergreen vine that has this most fragrant flower, bell-shaped flower. It's rather insignificant flower, but you definitely smell the flower. It's wonderful. Looks really great up containers, that kind of stuff, up trellises, up uh, up uh, arches over a walkway, a pergola. would look very good. It's evergreen, though. Why don't we just get the evergreens out of the way? Here's the list. If you got pen and paper, here's your list of evergreen vines. They're going to hold their foliage right through winter. Okay, so we mentioned akebia. I would say ivy, English ivy, nice, deep, rich, green ivy. Works well. Honeysuckle. Most years, honeysuckle is evergreen. If we go sub-zero, if you're real high elevation, it might go it might go deciduous on you. That is, it loses its leaves. It'll come back next spring. But most elevations in Arizona, it's evergreen. Beautiful, fragrant flower. That the, That's the one where, uh, as a kid, you used to pull out the stamens and suck the honey on it, thus honeysuckle. There's several colors of that. Vinca, if you want a ground cover, it's a great evergreen ground cover. Has the blue flower the size of a quarter with five petals. Comes in a few different colors of, of, of foliage and flowers, but most people know Vinca or Periwinkle is the other name. Pyracantha would be the last one. Now I know Firethorn is the other one. If you've if that's one you want to plant where you don't where you can leave it alone because it's got those big thorns on it. But beautiful, like the Victory Pyracanthus, beautiful red berries, spectacular, really nice, nice, handsome, evergreen, vining kind of plant. Now let's go into red fall-colored plants. The most famous by far, 
the most, the deepest red, and we're selling them all right now because they're all in color, is Virginia creeper. Oh, it's spectacular. That one does grow wild at the higher elevations of Arizona. You'll just see it growing out there in the Bradshaws. A Virginia creeper is very drought hardy, very tough little plant. A cousin to Virginia creeper that also turns red is Boston ivy. Again, it's this one that self-attaches to, to fences. Again, real easy to maintain, low maintenance. Those two are the lowest red-colored vines you'll find that grow almost wild once established in the mountains of Arizona. Let's cover the gold, gold colors. A trumpet vine has been spectacular. Huge red flowers on it from summer through autumn. But then as the flowers start to fade, it has this beautiful autumn gold, like an aspen gold color. Very nice and very hardy kind of plant. If you've got zero scape, if you want a ground cover that's zero scape, trumpet vine, very good. One that you English gardeners or cottage gardeners would like is clematis. It's got that traditional clematis flower, but the autumn colors on clematis are spectacular. Beautiful gold again. Very lacy, elegant, classy. Then lastly, one that you may not have thought of, hops. Yeah, you beer meisters, hops. Hops grows in northern Arizona, has a beautiful fall color, has a nice red flower to it. That's what you're harvesting to, to brew hops with. And there's your list of fall-colored autumn vines. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Water's companion plants that grow well together are blaze maple, burning bush, spicy mums, glamour kale, and red wall creeper. Water's red wall creeper is specially selected to dress up those miles of stockade fence. A mountain vine with rich green foliage turns fire engine red through autumn. Water's native vines are just $49 and both deer and rabbit proof. You'll find the showiest vines here at Water's Garden Center. Google, give me directions to Water's Garden Center. We believe butterflies are magic in the garden at Water's Garden Center. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, we are back. Lisa Waters Lane comes back. This is her segment. I try not to talk (laughs) and then try to get her to talk. Between the two of us, we fill out a 10-minute segment that's just all about what do you see, what's going on, what's new, what what tickles your garden fancy. So, Lisa, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. So, how's the uh, uh, how are the gardens looking? Are they all turning all colorful and, and bright? Or you're definitely seeing the change. Yeah. Especially this week, you're yeah. really starting to see the maples. Uh, Virginia creeper, burning, but all that stuff is starting to turn or already turned. So yeah. you can tell fall is here. Some of the, some things are getting done. So yeah. you had the sumacs or they've got a few leaves. Some of the yeah. uh, Virginia creepers, they've got a few leaves depending on where they are or where, mm-hmm. where they were, what the cycle was. But uh, the next windstorm will, <laughs> will, will blow off all the, all the, uh, if it's a good fall colored plant, it, it gets drops all its leaves at once, so it's it's easier to clean up. 
Oh, yeah. As things like sycamores, they go from gold to brown to, right? It's like January. They still have leaves on. They're still dropping. Right. So you kind of go, well, that's maybe not the most ideal <laughs> autumn colored tree, uh, but they're pretty. They're big and fast growing. So, yeah, a lot of the aspens have their real pretty gold color to them right now. So, yeah, things are pretty out there. So, if you don't have any fall color stuff in your yard, sacrilege. What? <laughs> You need to get some. Yeah. So we did get in some um, Cole's Compact Burning Bush Ooh, and nice. Dwarf Burning Bush. A little bit of the Dwarf Burning Bush has a little bit bigger leaf to it. The Cole's Compact has a smaller leaf to it. But the plants themselves get four by four, four by five, yeah. somewhere in there. And they're the ones they haven't quite. I've been kind of looking at them around town. They're starting to turn, but the when tops. they, yeah. yeah, when they go into full color, I mean, it is a bright red, absolutely gorgeous color. Yeah. Like, like uh fire engine red. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like a bright, bright, right. the brightest red at sunset. It's that color, yeah. only brighter. I don't know. It's, 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 it's intense. Right. Beautiful 3D. shrub. It's a beautiful shrub to mix into your landscape. I wouldn't do a whole hedge of them. Well, that's a popular <laughs> thing in the Midwest. They'll actually yeah. make hedges out of them. Do they? Yeah, because it's got they're real thick. The barks. Yeah. Even though if they lose their foliage, the, uh, the, the branches the branches are so good. tight. That's true. That you can't get through it. It's like yeah. a it's like a woody fence or something. Mm -hmm. But when the foliage is on, it's yeah. it's just like a solid green mass. Mm -hmm. But you get that red that red to that it. Red in the fall, and it stays on quite a while. Yeah. It's not gonna. It's month. Not, not like the sumacs that kind of turn and then they drop. These keep their color on there for quite a yeah. long time. So very, very pretty. Uh, we also got some Oregon gray poly in. Nice. I don't know why this year has been, nobody's had it. <laughs> it's a slow grower. You know, I heard, yeah. I talked to the vendor about the yeah. grower up in Oregon, uh, Jonathan. He's the yeah. head of uh, Monrovia. He runs sure. all their farms. He said, it's a slower growing, all the yeah. slow growing crops, they ran out uh -huh. and they couldn't plug fast. So they kind of, the, the COVID thing was, it just blew through all the, all the gotcha. crops. They were planning five years out and, and they sold, sold them all in two years. So there's this like 18 oh, month window it. where it's, they couldn't, they couldn't plant enough. Okay. So now they're finally starting to catch up. Yeah. And so it's just kind of interest crop rotations. Mm -hmm. These well, plants, sense. But they it's take a, a while. It's a really pretty fall. It's an evergreen. Yeah. So it's going to keep its leaves year round. Uh, but it gets that real pretty orangey, orangey, yellow, red. Yeah. It's a very attractive uh, shrub. When it's color. in the sun. Yeah. More shaded, it'll be more more green. But it's a true native. So when you're right. walking through the Bradshaws of Mingus Mountains, mm -hmm. you'll see a, a creeping uh, Mahonia or creeping Oregon grape. Look, right. has a great, has a holly leaf. Mm -hmm. uh, it has some red berries, berries to it. Can have some yellow flowers in spring. That's it. So you can also grow it in a couple other shrub forms. Mm -hmm. But when it's in the sun, it turns a bright red or kind of orangey red. When it's in the shade, kind of just says, oh, I'll be green. <laughs> That's true of uh, the Nandinas, yeah. too. Yeah. The um, heavenly bamboos, Gulf streams. Yeah. The more sun they get, the more red they get in yeah. the wintertime. Yeah, Definitely. very nice. Now, for the Californians, you got you to name it the right way so they understand. That's... Uh, um, heavenly bamboo so for them <laughs> everyone else is nandina so it, okay. it has several names across it the does. country yeah so but it's but not a true bamboo it's not a true bamboo that's why horticulturalists <laughs> call it a nandina yep okay. we also got in some simply gorgeous uh flame maples oh nice in a in a big bucket they're big multi-trunked 
Oh, uh, unusual. Very, yeah. very pretty. And nice because, I mean, they give you that really pretty fall color, but they don't get 30 feet tall yeah. like the uh, Autumn Blaze or yeah. some of your other red maples. They get about, what, 15, 18, under yeah. 20. For those folks that want to plant Japanese maples, those struggle here. Mm -hmm. They don't like wind and they don't like sun right. our sun our wind and our sun and our water they don't like growing <laughs> here you can get them to grow but japanese maples are not happy here the flame maple or amber maple it goes by two names mm -hmm. those are a small leaf maple grows the same size about mid-teens but it loves the sun it right. loves wind mm -hmm. it loves everything about arizona and the mountains mm -hmm. and it's still a small leafed maple it's a by far a better choice yeah. Why more folks don't know about it just because they've come from areas where it's Japanese, Japanese yeah. maple country. That's all I know. But there's better choices up here in the mountains of Arizona. Yeah. Well, these are beautiful. They're stunning. They they would be an almost mature, mature tree. That you yeah, they were huge. In. They were just yeah. instantaneous. Yeah. Very, very nice. So some of the other things that we want to get in, we got in that I just want to mention because timing is everything, right? Yeah. So we got some hellebores in. Hellebores, so, they're way early. That's super nice, wow. <laughs> so usually we can't get that. So hellebores is a evergreen perennial, loves the shade, but it blooms usually late winter, early spring. Yeah. And it's a beautiful plant if you have the right spot for it. But usually by the time spring rolls around, you can't find yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. They're all gone. Right. So we brought in, they call it their Ice and Roses series. Nice. It's kind of a soft rose colored bloom on it. Uh, but yeah, got those in, which is really cool because usually you can't. Are they heavily them. budded? Can you see the buds for next, this winter? There's, there's so one that's actually blooming. Oh my God. <laughs> it does, right? They're a winter bloomer. Yeah. They bloom in the winter. That's right. why there's none left in spring. Mm -hmm. Because they bloomed out and everyone goes, oh, neat. Right. Then so they camellias, bloom. they're companion plants with camellias, right. same Definitely. way, or hookahs, uh, uh, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. The common name is Linton Rose. Linton. So hellebores yeah. and Linton Rose. So mm -hmm. some of the old timers, they know it as, as Linton right. Rose, and you hear it written up mm -hmm. in all the fancy magazines as hellebores. Right. Right. So unusual to have those. So yeah. definitely got to check those out. And um, we still have some nice Virginia creeper in that hasn't turned yet. Oh, really? You got another load. So, Good. We have so, more. We have more. <laughs> they come here at this elevation right. and they turn color and drop their leaves. Drop their leaves. But these still are green. They're starting. I was looking at them this morning. They're starting to get their, they're starting to turn. So, yeah. uh, but if you want to enjoy some of the fall color on there. We certainly can. Virginia creepers. That's also why they're very firewise. Mm -hmm. So they 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 don't have a lot of uh, burnable leaves right. kind of stuff. They stay low to the ground. Mm -hmm. They have their heavy foliage when they have. They have heavy moisture when they do have foliage. Right. And so they tend to they tend to suppress fires or they burn very cool. So if you're up in the mountains. And it's a native, it just grows mm -hmm. wild out there. So it naturalizes so easily. Right. It's a great plant. And this is a good time to plant those. Mm -hmm. And we also still have a wonderful selection of fall mums in. Yeah. So if you're a still classic. looking to put your mums in to decorate for Halloween, uh, we still have those. We have lots of pansies and violas, snapdragons. Um, and they're just amazing little plants for the fall and winter here. And, yeah. you know, people come in, they go, well, what can bloom through the winter? Pansies, viola. <laughs> Do you have anything else? No. no. Dustin Miller doesn't bloom. <laughs> yeah, there's a few, yeah, yeah, there's a few things. A few things, but they just do so well. Um, and just kind of, even with snow landing on them, they, they go, yeah, I don't care. 
I think they grow better here at this elevation, this this four to six, sixty five hundred foot level. You know, mm -hmm. Groom Creek, Holland Pines down to Cottonwood, Sedona, Camp Verde, um, and everything in between. Mm -hmm. They grow better here than they do in the Midwest, where they freeze out, or in the in the desert where they burn out so fast. Right. Here they just Keep, keep going. blooming. People plant them at the wrong time. They plant right. them in spring. Mm -hmm. You should be planting each of those that you just mentioned in now fall. in the fall because you right. get more color, mm -hmm. more bang for your right. garden trowel oh, than you do uh, otherwise. Yeah. Just try something new. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. Thank you, Lisa, for mm -hmm. sharing with us. We'll be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. I used to be cocky and actually dared to beat the big boxes at their own game. Since the beginning, we were known for the very best plants in town. But with youthful ambition, we added a line of inferior plants, contractor grade, that matched the box stores and beat their prices. We failed miserably. The plants were side-by-side, side. Waters hand-picked quality at the higher price and the inferior plants at the lower price with astounding results. The inferior plants, not bad quality, just not full and nice, were still there a month later. The hand-picked quality plants, they had been restocked twice and the bench was empty again. The youthful cockiness, it's tempered and with age comes wisdom and knowing who you really are. Waters Garden Center doesn't compete with the marts and the boxes. We simply grow the very best plants our family is famous for. We will never offer inferior plants. Cross my heart. Pinky swear. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road, here in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, Welcome your host, Ken Lane. We put a survey out a couple months ago, and we just asked, said, why do you garden? Kind of grouped these into, if they had a like response, we grouped it into this. And so it came down to 30 things, relatively kind of, sort of, by importance, but not really. It's kind of a random thing, and... and uh, the number one reason people seem to garden is to unwind and relax or stress reliever. That came up a lot. Number two was, I like to grow fresh, healthy food. Of course, that's a big trend right now, growing your own, local, uh, sustainable, all those things. Uh, number three, to be outside with nature. Just the fresh air seemed to come up quite a bit. I just like being outside when the weather's nice. Number four was to create creativity or expressions. Those, those kind of words came up pretty regularly. And so that's how we just grouped it underneath that. Number five, I like to dig, smell, touch, and play in the dirt. I love that. <laughs> that's perfect. There is something about fresh, the smell of fresh dirt after rain, isn't there? It just makes you feel good. Number six was, I want a nicer home, pride in my home, home, just a, a sense of pride in dressing up my home. Number seven, to have fun, to feel good. Number eight, for confirmation, a job well done. I just like to look back and go look at what I have done. That came up pretty regularly. Number nine, reason people 
garden, at least here in the mountains of Arizona. This is kind of just, this is localized for us, but I think there's some, some themes there, there. Number nine was to make things pretty, better, beautiful. Again, they were using those kinds of words. So we just grouped them into this response rate. I mean, how else do you take hundreds of, of, of questions or, or answers? Number 10, to teach, to spend time with family, children or grandchildren. Quite a bit of that. So for either parents or grandparents uh, using it as a time to not just teach gardening, but just it gives you time to converse, uh, just to talk over maybe gardening or maybe it's a relationship. Who knows? So that came up. Number 11, to attract and care for wildlife. And this was everything from birds to javelina to deer. If they were, if they were gardening to bring more wildlife closer to them, we put it into that one. Number 12, to watch things, uh, my garden, to make, watch my garden grow, basically. Um, it could, could be birds, could be plants, could be flowers, could be, but if you like to watch the gardens grow, that was it. 13, it's healthy. Exercise. There was a definite um, a, a phys- physical response to this. So if they used the word healthier exercise, we lumped it into that. Uh, separate to that was therapy for mind or body. It was, I kind of use that one myself kind of relates to relaxing or stress reducing, but they didn't use those words. They used mind or body. So we put it in under 14, number 15 for color. They just like either fall color, summer color. They wanted color. Number 16 was different, kind of related. They said flowers. Now they didn't use the word color. They use the word flowers. We put it under its own kind of header. So again, we're, we're trying to just, just how do we group it ourselves? And I can write or talk about or inspire folks in these different groupings. Uh, number 17, to inspire others, inspirational, to share. And that part of this was neighborhood. Part of it was garden clubs or, or community, but that seemed to come up a, quite a bit. Number 18, tradition. My mom or dad gardened. Therefore, I like to garden, or sometimes they do it in memory of their mother or father. They just, there was that connection to family, past connection or current connection. Number nineteen, the planet, the environment, Mother Earth, you know, tree hugger kind of bit. There's a lot of that actually. They just want to make their space of the planet better to treat the environment better. Mm-hmm. Number number twenty, they just like the plants. All kinds of plants. Now, they didn't, now, it's not a flower. It was a separate thing. They just like the plants, not just flowers or herbs or vegetables, just plants in general. Fragrance came up. That's number 21. To learn from the experience. There's something about watching something grow, and so it was a learning process. It kind of relates to the grandparents or parents thing, but it was separate. They just like to figure things out in the garden. Uh to get some fresh air and sunshine. You know, your doctor's putting you on vitamin D. Everyone's on vitamin D. All you need to do is garden more. Just get out and get some sunshine. It's good for you. Uh, Number 24, because my grandfather or grandmother instilled a desire in me. So some of these are related, but we grouped them separately because the response was just a little bit different. Number 25, for a higher property value. They just want to either sell it or maintain it. That that property value thing came up. 
Number 26, I love this one, to unleash my inner chef. These are the foodies of the group, of course. They like fresh herbs and fresh tomatoes and just freshness was big. Number 27, organic, kind of related, but they actually use the word organic uh, in their response. We grouped it there. 28, to create an outdoor entertainment or retreat. You know, that uh, just bringing friends and family together at a backyard, barbecue, weddings, that seemed to come up quite a bit. To nurture my soul. The word soul came up quite a bit with gardening. So why do you garden? To nurture my soul. And lastly, to have something to care for and to nurture. So those are all the responses why people are gardening. I thought that would just share with you. That is quite interesting, the insight you find into why people are actually in the yard playing with the plants. It was actually quite surprising to me the number of relationships, how people, it was about therapy or connecting with others, either through food, through uh, past generations, grandparents, teaching grandkids, children, uh, responsible. I think my kids, I've got four children. And we've gardened a lot together. We've landscaped. I mean, full on like kids, we're digging this pond. Let's go. Look what we've done. We just built this. We're running it. Remember, Dad, when we built that? Uh, even, even our neighbors respond going, wow, your kids really know how to work hard. I think it teaches them responsibility, a job well done, being outside. Otherwise, at least my kids, they defaulted to video games and iPads, and that's not good just to be stuck in your room watching your technology. I think we need to get outside some, and I've seen that with my own family, and I think we're just better people for it. Why do people garden? It's a lot of different reasons. There's there's the top 30 with our own kind of non-formal, it wasn't scientifically weighted for plus or minus. Or I just went, that's interesting. Okay, that goes in here, here, just kind of tick marks. And you go with how many, that's hundreds of people coming up with basically the top 30 or variations thereof of gardening. It's a great time to garden. This, this fall, if you are new to the area, and you're new to four-season gardening, the reason now, the fall, is your sweet spot or the ideal time to add some trees, to do some gardening, to, to get some beds ready. It's a good time to put roses in. Uh, you, you, with roses, I've stopped trimming off the old roses, my own roses. I've got them in containers. I've got them out in, the ra- in raised beds or just out in the yard. I don't take off the rose hips I find that my roses go through winter better if I let them form those rose hips, that bubble or, or, or bulging area behind the bud, behind that flower. If I wait and keep that on there, then I'll trim them up you know, next March, generally, late winter, early spring. But there's some benefits to that. They form better root formation. You'll have better blooms next year. The reason I was planting fruit trees, because I want to get them rooted. You'll get this flush of fall roots. Take a little break for a month and a half, two months. By Valentine's, mid-February, they start to take off with new roots again as it starts to warm. And then you'll have better growth, better uh, spring growth next spring. And then also better heat hardiness, drought hardiness next summer by doing a fall planting. The goal in the mountains in an arid climate is to plant your plants 
and the hottest month of the year is, is June here in, in the mountains, you want to plant as many months before the hottest month, as many months before June as you can. So you've got as much root underneath those plants as you can before the heat comes. Because if you're going to struggle, it's going to be from the summer heat. You get that prevailing southwest wind in June. It's 90 degrees. It's 10% humidity. And you've got brand new tender growth coming out on those new plants. That wears on your on your landscape, on those new vegetables, uh, not vegetables, but uh, blackberries, raspberries, fruit trees. It's best to plant in the fall. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are burning bush, spicy mums, glamour kale, and red fox sedge. Fox sedge has striking clumps of red foliage that fades to flocks, giving off a warm glow. An attractive foliage effect in container gardens, perennial beds, and fountain accents. A good choice in poor draining pockets along dry stream beds and beside large landscape boulders. You'll find foxy red grasses, just $17, here at Waters Garden Center. Google, give me directions to Waters Garden Center. Hi, Lisa here with the finds of the week and our Ascot Rainbow Euphorbia. Deer don't like this beautiful perennial. Rabbits loathe the milky sap. And javelina, leave it alone. This evergreen flower is adorned by leaves and gilded edges of gold. Simply stunning and thrives in the dry hot spaces in the garden all for under $12. Plant this one in beds, street side landscapes, and containers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love evergreen flowers, they love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. So you can start to feel autumn. It feels like autumn. It feels like fall. You can start to feel there's, there's, a, there's a chill in the air. And, and in the central highlands, this central part of the state, not not. The White Mountains, not Flagstaff. That's the next. You guys are you're chillier, not down lower you know, like Black Canyon City. You know those areas. This is more like for Cottonwood, Camp Verde, Hillside, Skull Valley, uh, Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino, Paulden. For us, the Central Highlands area, our average frost date is October 29th. Okay, a couple of you might be a little later. Maybe you're November 2nd. Some of you are earlier. Maybe you're October 25th, 24th. I don't know. But basically, you'll use Halloween as your first frost date. That's if you're thinking holidays, you should be ready for potential frost anytime from now through the middle of November. Not heavy freeze. It'll flash. It'll just real quick get cold and then warm back up. So it'll be like that. But it, that's enough to take out your annual flowers. So your geraniums will be tinged. Your zinnias will be vaporized. Dahlias will be just turn black and fall over and turn to mush. Your tomatoes will just be fried. I mean, the tomato itself might not freeze, but the foliage on top of the plant will freeze. It'll get, the indication is the foliage turns black. It looks like you took a Bic lighter or just burned it. And that's what happened. The, the, the water inside the tissue expanded 
exploded the plant from the inside out, then contracted back as the freeze, as the days, as the morning came. And then what's left over is this carnage of black foliage. That's frost indication. You can keep that off of plants for a little bit, maybe up to a month, by simply putting a sheet over top of that plant. Not, not something breathable. Don't use plastic. Generally, we're using uh, frost covers, which is a white, breathable material. Burlap, any sheet that, that's laying in the old sheets. I keep those. Lisa goes, she, I'm getting new sheets for the bed. Perfect. I get, get, get expensive ones because I get to use them in five years in the gardens and I use them to, to cover my tomatoes. You can kind of a mini greenhouse. Now, don't keep that cover on that plant over the day, only at night. So through the day, it needs to gain radiated heat. It needs to collect that photosynthesis. It needs to, to absorb that sunlight so it can retain that and then releases it underneath your blanket at night. So you can just be aware. But know what frost looks like and then just know that, that when it's coming. And I would say that's any of you. Yeah, but I'm in, I'm in Camp Verde. I don't have all that. Yeah, you almost have it worse because that cold air spills out over you and, and kind of settles right there on the river and kind of gets on top of you. So it can almost be worse. You can almost see it sooner. Paulden, you, you all get all that cold air from Ash Fork and it settles, comes off that hill and just settles on top of you in those valleys. You can see more damage sooner. Uh, so just kind of just know where you're at. If you're towards the top of a hill, eh, you're going to see frost a little later. Warm air rises. If you're down towards a creek bottom in the neighborhood, you're going to see colder sooner by a couple days. Not by a lot, by a week. You'll just feel as you walk the neighborhood, you'll, you'll feel, oh, it's cooler here. Well, that's what happens. And so we do go over a lot of this with our garden classes. And so every Saturday at 930, we have, a, we have a free garden class. Please come. There, this week, it's, it's uh, uh, succulents, cacti, and the low-maintenance gardens. Next week, it's showy shrubs of autumn. They're 930. Take a look at our website, watersgardencenter.com. You'll see a big classes button right there on top. Love to see you there. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden companion plants for September are raywood ash, Russian sage, honeysuckle, and ivory feathers pampas grass. Ivory feathers is a dwarf pampas grass that blends perfectly into desert landscapes. The ivory plumes reach overhead height for architectural style around patios and ponds. Well suited as a visual barrier or hedge in the far reaches of the yard. You will find only the brightest grasses here at Waters Garden Center. Shop in store or online at watersgardencenter.com. We believe bees are in danger. We can save them at Waters Garden Center. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive. But so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Water's weed and grass stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and grass stopper. It's just $24 and only found at Water's Garden Center in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert, Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane.